All right. Well, I do appreciate you tuning in this week. Uh, my name's Trevor Monroe, and that was a devastating loss uh, against Cal. Probably the uh, the most depressing point of the season for me, uh, mostly because the Buffs just weren't able to carry over any of the gains that they'd made in the previous week, where I really thought they stepped it up uh, in certain areas. And hopefully I was thinking they'd really just take a step forward, but it was just not to be. Um, they kind of lapsed in their old ways, poor pass protection, poor QB play that resulted in a monumentally poor offensive performance and Cal just dominated every category uh, except maybe the punting game. And if there was a silver lining, the Buffs defense did step it up, allowing only three points in the second half. But uh, the poor performance did result in the first coaching casualty of the the season. Uh, Mitch Rodriguez, the Buffalo's uh, offensive line coach, they, Carl Durrell did make a change and promoted some assistance into that position. So, um, so we'll, we'll kind of look at the postmortem, uh, what went wrong in the CU Cal game. Uh, as usual, we'll look ahead to the matchup against the Oregon Ducks, the uh, number five team in the nation, as the Buffs will travel to Autzen, a tough place to play. And uh, I'll conclude by some uh, you know, observations on the, uh, you know, the, the coaching change and what it can or cannot do uh, to the performance of the offensive line and otherwise. So thank you much. Let's get started. Okay, so it was a real hard game to watch um, against Cal. We, uh, we didn't see any of the positive things we saw from the week before, like the multiple running schemes, getting the receivers involved in some of these designed, you know, jet sweeps, or we didn't see too much play action or design QB runs, RPO, none of that. I'm sure, you know, Cal's defense and their scheme had a lot to do with it. Uh, It probably was also uh, due to our inability to control the line of scrimmage. Uh, We were just overpowered uh, from that standpoint. And, you know, the familiar uh, Scylla and Charybdis of, you know, poor pass protection combined with slow time to throw resulted in six sacks. Um, Cal was able to get an additional 15 pressures and 12 tackles for loss. So, you know, we just were not able to uh, move the ball offensively. How bad was it? Well, um, I like to say we had our second, you know, one in 1,000 epically poor performance of the season. So, you know, just like against Minnesota where we just had over, I think, 100 yards uh, total offense, this game was 104 yards total production. Uh, Cal dominated, you know, time of possession. They uh, held the Buffs, you know, running attack to about 35 yards. Uh, The QB performance uh, from the Buff side was uh, probably the worst of the, the year. Uh, we were not unable to get the ball downfield. We averaged depth of target was 6.5. Um, unable to get it to the receivers. Uh, in fact, uh, running back uh, Jarek Broussard was leading receiver in this game with 30 yards. So, um, you know, outside of the Buffs uh, punting or special teams, it was just uh, a lackluster performance all around. The special teams, as usual, did shine. Our punting 
uh, game was great. Josh Watts, you know, he he should be up for some postseason awards with his punt, punting performance this year. But he had seven punts, forty-eight yard average. Uh, Brendan Rice set up the the Buffs' only score with a sixty-seven yard kick return. And uh, one more bright spot: the Buffs had two penalties. Um, so, yeah, that's about it. I mean, I'm, it's it's worth mentioning, you know, even in this type of a performance, we did have some good individual performances for sure. Uh, Kari Kutch is Mr. Consistent. He's our top offensive lineman for sure. Colby Purcell, not too far behind him. He had a good game. Uh, Gonzo, the quarterback, had a great game. He gave up only two yards receiving. He had three pass breakups. I hope he sticks around for a long time. Uh, I think we get Blackman back next year as well. He had a good game. Um, Isaiah Lewis had, uh, I think, seven stops, and Mustafa Johnson had a couple, uh, one sack and two tackles for loss. It's also uh, important to mention, you know, Landman, who was injured, and he will be out, unfortunately, against Oregon, but uh, he had a team high 10 tackles and uh, one of those tackles put him over 400 for the, his career. So he's going to chase Jordan Dyson for the next uh, on the record books. Uh, hopefully he'll break that when he gets back after Oregon. Um, you know, Cal, <clears throat> um, <laughs> it's hard to talk about this game. It's It was depressing, but it was good to see uh, Bill Musgrave, a Grand Junction native, former uh, Broncos staffer, uh, who is Cal's offensive coordinator. He called an incredible game, I thought. He um, used his quarterback effectively, and over 11 um, players for Cal were involved in the passing game, but particularly tight ends. I think he had three tight ends on the field at some point, and he would you know, have them in spreads. He was also able to use his uh, running backs pretty good in the passing attack. And in the running game, the trap blocking scheme up front was really effective. Uh, my sense is part of that was because, you know, Chris Wilson likes to use a one gap scheme. Uh, you know, not, I'm not enough of an expert to kind of dissect what was going on there, but it seemed to me that the trap blocking scheme against, if it was a one, one gap where they just pick a gap and they try to rush it, uh, whatever it was, Cal was able to open up some big holes and, that uh, that in total, I think Cal had 438 yards total production. Uh, Chase Garbers with a fifth year senior, he looked uh, every bit the part. He had a excellent um, performance. Uh, his his PFF rating in pass was 90, so that's anything above 85 is kind of considered NFL level. Um, so all all around, they were they're particularly good. Their front seven. On the defensive side was just tenacious. Um, they had seven sacks. I think that was a season high uh, against the, the Buffs. Uh, against the Buffs, and 11, uh, 11 hurries. So they were causing all kinds of pressure. Okay, well, enough about that game. Just to say, it was just a, a, a you know kind of one step forward against uh, Arizona, and a couple steps back against. Um, Cal and and next week, you know, we're really going to have to eat our Wheaties because here come the Oregon Ducks. Uh, so let's get into that. All right, Buffs against the Ducks. 
I should start by saying Oregon's favored by 24 points. I think it actually opened higher than that, something like 28. Obviously, they have elite talent, um, and they overmatch the buffs. Uh, Everywhere, every position group, um, save maybe special teams. Uh, Their defense is a turnover-generating machine. I think they're number 10 in the nation in turnover margin. They have a savvy uh, offensive coordinator, Joe Morgan, uh, they're able to ch- you know, control the line of scrimmage offensively. Um, but uh, for whatever reason, they're unable to dominate their opponents. They're not able to exploit you know, the, the elite talent that they have. And we'll get into some of those reasons. But they, they've played up or down you know, depending on the opponent. They've had great games against Ohio State. They've had not so great games against Cal and Arizona. So, so that's... Uh, that's part of what we're up against. Uh, to give you just how much of an uh, give you a sense of the the edge that they they do bring into this game, let me rattle off some numbers. And I, I looked up several, and I'll keep some of these in the show notes. But um, for the power ranking numbers, so there's 130 teams in FBS. Oregon ranks 16th according to power ranking. CU, on the other hand, 101st. On the rank in terms of the points per drive, Oregon's 28. CU is almost dead last, 129. On the defensive side of the ball, get ready for it. The you know the Buffs have an edge here, but they uh, points per drive allowed per drive, Oregon ranks 56, so CU's 45th. So that's our one edge. The other what, six or seven here that I that I tallied. Uh, the gaps are are significant. Like you know, in in the rank yards per rush offense, Oregon's top ten. Uh, CU is eighty three. If we combine all these together, all you know, however many metrics that uh, some of these things uh, take into account, there's something called a rank ensemble. This is by uh, Power Rank Ed Fang, uh, but Oregon is number six. And CU is 105, so six to 105. That's probably the bottom line. So Oregon is uh, highly overmatched, highly over, you know, not overrated, just outmatches uh, the buffs in every single uh, way you can slice it. And part of the reason is that they just have a lot of talent at every single position group. Some of it's inexperienced. Some of it is just elite and experienced. And one of those is Kayvon Thibodeau. He's their elite pass rusher, possibly the next uh, you know, first-round draft pick or top five draft pick in NFL draft next year. He's performing extremely well. He's possibly in that Heisman conversation. Uh, so watch out. It could be, it could be um, ugly if, if we're, un- we're unable to uh, <laughs> come up with something and we're going to have to double-team him, obviously. Uh, Andrew Brown, he's, he's kind of a boomer bust and he, he is capable of, uh, big time plays from what I, you know, seen and what I, what I gather. Um, there's a guy, Oregon writer Hathaday that was on, um, one of the, the podcasts this week. I think it was, uh, not sure if it was see you at the game, but really good, uh, really good uh, analytical kind of uh, commentator, but he, in his impression, you know, Andrew Brown's kind of the bottleneck 
as well. He's um, a lot of times he, he'll make uh, poor decisions in the RPO and he's thrown a number of interceptions. And sometimes it just looks like he's, you know, makes these NFL type of throws and next play. He, he makes a throw that would get a high school player pulled. But uh, um, otherwise I think it's worth mentioning, you know, Travis Dye is also a productive running back. Oregon usually has a couple, three running backs they go to. Verdell was one of them, but he was injured in the Stanford game. Um, uh, just other, other kind of, I guess, observations or tendencies from Oregon. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that the offense is, is centered on this RPO triple option. So an RPO triple option, you know, the quarterback can either hand off or run it himself. And then when he, once he does, if he does keep it, decide whether to throw it to the tight end or throw it downfield um, or run it himself. So, uh, a lot of times the tight end will factor into that when you get on the edge. If they if they don't cover the tight end, he'll throw it to the tight end. If they do cover the tight end, he'll keep it. Um, I mean, that's just something to look for. But it puts a lot of stress on the outside linebackers, uh, on our safety and our nickel. Um, one thing Oregon does that uh, is exceptional, they rotate their offensive linemen. They kind of cross-train them. So guards and tackles, there's a few guys that will play both. And they rotate it rotate in uh like different times of the game on a regular basis so uh that could be i don't know we'll see how it plays out i think from an injury standpoint you know they're all ready to kind of plug and play in different positions but um who knows that since they have had a few injuries uh we'll see if they get another injury or two it could be it could be a weak spot uh the only other thing I might mention or that I gather from half a day is that their linebacker room is just underperforming this year. Part of it, or most of it's due uh, to the fact that they just have had some injuries and they're inexperienced. Uh, so, so I think that's that on Oregon, uh, a daunting opponent for sure. Uh, we are playing on national television. So uh, that I, I'm going to, I'm going to take that as a good, a good thing and hopefully it just incentivizes the buffs just that much more to put up a good fight uh so we'll get into what the buffs can do now all right so what can the buffs do to keep it a game um to make it respectable or just to show some you know some progress uh first and foremost they they need to contain that triple threat rpo option um, they're going to have their hands full with this, especially because we were dinged up as well. Nigel Bethel is injured. Uh, before him, Chris Miller was also injured. So they're the nickel kind of dime uh, packages. Uh, th those those spots are now filled by you know in inexperienced players. Uh, Tyron Taylor, I think he he stepped up in the Cal game. Uh, we may see Trevor Woods, uh, possibly some other freshmen, Kalen Moore, Nico Reed, but. Uh, not just not just the nickel and the safeties, but also the outside linebackers, Carson Wells, Guy Thomas. Uh, they will be uh, under a lot of pressure this game on the edges uh, to contain that RPO. Uh, and I think we're just going to need more turnovers. Uh, we're going to need some luck, uh, hopefully some picks. So Andrew Brown is capable of throwing picks. We might need three or four of those. Um, on the other hand, Oregon is, you know, top 10 in, in generating, you know, turnover margins. So it's unlikely that we're going to win that turnover game. 
but we're going to have to if we're going to have a chance. Uh, I'd like to see, um, you know, more of these QB designed runs, perhaps with the change in, in philosophy up front. Although, how much can you really change uh, in one week? But we might see more design QB runs. I think, uh, you know, it's to me it makes sense that we get our re- receivers more involved, like we did in Arizona in the, you know, the jet sweeps. Uh, that we ourselves use some play action, you know, some things under center. Uh, but one way or another, just try to get that, you know, try to get something going where we exploit, you know, the single coverage that we're likely to see. Try to do something that uh, gets uh, quarterback Brennan Lewis out in space on these rollouts where he can make some throws and use his legs. And hopefully, you know, a couple of those times when they're they are blitzing he does shake free and and does get downfield and uh if he can do this just a few times in the game who knows maybe it opens things up a bit more for the for the running game and we have a you know we're in a different uh ball game uh the last thing that i might i don't know i keep thinking we we might see this we might not but uh, we do have a tight end who with quarterback experience why not you know move him to that kind of wildcat RPO, you know, position and move Brendan Lewis out wide for a play and try to catch them off guard. Maybe Lewis can catch a touchdown as a receiver or something like that. Okay. I think that's all I got uh, for what I want to see the buffs do other than just make it a respectable game one way or another. I think we're going to, we're going to need to have, um, you know, solid, solid uh, effort. We're going to need to have luck turnovers, all that good stuff. But, uh, but what can we do? It's going to be, it's going to be a daunting opponent to say the least. Uh, so I just want to conclude by, uh, I guess talking through some of my, uh, thoughts on the performance of the offensive line in the performance of the quarterback room. Um, we, we had a, a pretty solid season last year and, Part of that was because we had above average play, you know, rating wise at quarterback. We had a 69 rating, uh, according to professional football focus and in pass blocking a 68 rating. So both of those are above average. And because of that, you know, we were a passing threat. Um, one thing I might mention is Sam Neuer got rid of the ball very quickly is also quick to make decisions on, on when he should run the ball. So, so that helped, you know, we, we did lose one tackle, but by and large, we were able to effectively pass the ball and that helped our running game. We were, you know, we had a power, uh, running game. Jarek Broussard was PAC 12, uh, player of the year. And, um, this year it's a completely different story. We're not able to run very well. Uh, we have, uh, dropped our performance considerably at the QB level. So if you look at the rating at 60 compared to 69 last year, it in pass blocking, it's 41 compared to 68 last year. So it's, it's very poor in the pass blocking area. Um, so I think, uh, I don't have necessary the necessarily the answers or, um, you know, I'm not deep enough to understand how much of this is due to coaching and scheme. Uh, but I would grant that some of it, some of it is, and then a change uh, was needed. 
but what I what I think I know a little bit better is that we just didn't have uh, a very good off season in the quarterback room or the tackle room. And some of these issues that they're surfacing now have, you know, the cracks in the system or had been brewing for a while. So let me tell you what I mean. So if you look at the tackle room, we have three tackles on the roster uh, currently on the roster that have been harvested from the past five recruiting classes. So in the past five recruiting classes, we recruited nine tackles and only three of them have survived. Two of them are very young, Lichtenhan and Wiley. And then we have Frank Phillip. Um, in the spring game, Lichtenhan was running with the run, the ones and twos. And on the other side, you had Wiley. And then we had Valentine Sen who transferred out. Uh, but we just didn't have the bodies in the room, even in the spring or in the off season, Max Ray from Ohio state transferred in the, in, um, in the, in the summer. And then Philip, uh, finally got healthy the second game of the season. So he was able to play. Uh, but some of these issues, you know, the lack of resilience, I would say at the tackle position, uh, started well before the current, uh, coaching regime. Second thing, uh, when we look at the quarterback room, so last year we had Sam Neuer, fifth-year senior, and Tyler Lytle, a fourth-year junior. They hadn't, they didn't have a lot of experience, but they had been around the program a lot, a long time. Um, uh, in the off-season, you see Lytle transfer out. Uh, we get JT Shroud in, and after the spring game, we have three quarterbacks: we have Neuer, we have Lewis, we have Shroud, all contending for the starting position. So, I mean, I, in a way, I think the staff did the right thing. They kind of saw that we were, you know, the quarterback room. We needed four or five scholarship quarterbacks. We needed Trout. That probably contributed to Neuer's decision to move out. When he did, we didn't have a scholarship to replace him. He's a super senior. So, eight weeks later, Shrout gets hurt. All of a sudden, we have the, you know, the thinnest and youngest quarterback room in FBS football. Uh, we have two freshman scholarship quarterbacks, Brennan Lewis, Drew Carter, and then we have walk-ons, walk-on freshmen behind them. So uh, I guess my point is, is that uh, I don't know how many coaching staffs and schemes can can fix that level of you know uh, inexperience and. Uh, I don't know, maybe some of it's talent, but they just haven't been developed. And here we are with, you know, a quarterback who needs to develop the games too fast for him right now. He holds on the ball too long and to make matters worse, you have an offensive line who can't protect him. So I guess food for thought is, you know, how, how would the results change if we had, you know, different rooms this year, right? If we did have, uh, you know, tackles who had been around and quarterbacks who had been around, uh, would our schemes look better? You know, would our performance, our outcomes look better? I don't know. The other question, which maybe we'll get, you know, more signal on is how much can coaching, you know, change in coaching kind of impact the the performance of these rooms. So we have, a, a, I guess, a reconfiguration. We have assistant coaches who've been promoted. 
to lead the offensive line. There's probably only so much that they can do, but they they might be able to work on some ideas or some uh, you know tweaks to the system to get more out of the the current players. Uh, but I, I guess what I would like to see uh, in the future is that we're just never in this position again. We have you know Shannon Turley, who's our strength coach and. He believes in development, you know, all aspects of, you know, physical and mental development. I want to see, you know, uh, us retain more tackles in the future. I want us to, you know, have more, you know, a spread of, you know, juniors, seniors, sophomores, and uh, freshmen at the quarterback position. Um, That, I would suggest, is probably our biggest issue facing the buffs right now. It's just the lack of resilience at those two positions. And that's having uh, spillover effects that negatively impact our running game. Uh, and, you know, quite honestly, our inability to stay on the field just impacts our defense. Um, so <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I'll leave it at that. I hope, I hope this tweak kind of, uh, you know, I, I guess what I really want is, uh, to believe is that in that in that Arizona game we did take a step forward. We were able to t- you know uh, protect the quarterback, and Brendan Lewis was able to push the ball downfield, and uh, you know things were going our way. I know I don't expect us to perform that well against Oregon for sure, but I did expect us to perform a lot better against Cal. So. Uh, Let's see what happens, but I hope, you know, go buffs, you know, shock the world. I don't think it take, you know, probably a miracle and Otson to, to win the game, but uh, I hope they make it a game. And I want to thank you for tuning in and let's see, let's, let's talk next week. All right, go buffs.